drinking from my saucer this morning because my cup has running over today. Because I know, amen, that he's been good to me. And I just believe that he's coming back soon. And one day I'm going to thank him, Brother Timmy, for running my cup over. Amen. Blessing me when I didn't deserve to be blessed. Come on, somebody. Loving me when I didn't deserve to be loved. Amen. He's a good God today. If you love him, look at your neighbor beside you and tell him he's been good to me. And he'll be good to you too. Hallelujah. I do want to read a card before we get started this morning uh, into the Word of God. This is from Sister Mary Ellington. It says, it takes a special kind of person to care enough to take the time for others to do whatever it takes to help somebody out. For everything you've done, for everything you have given, thank you to my church family. I want to thank you for the food, visits, and cards. They were so encouraging. But most of all, for all the prayers, they was what helped me get through all this. I love you all. May the Lord bless you, Mary and Roy. Amen. And we truly so thankful to God for answering prayer and touching them in their life. Precious, precious couple, people of God. Amen. How many love your church family? Church family, amen, is uh, very, very precious everywhere uh, and, and should be very, very special to our hearts and to our lives. And uh, we're just grateful to be able to be a part of this local church family here at Stoneville. Today I want to start into a series of a message that here uh, several, several, well, a few months ago, God had laid upon my spirit, and then he kind of held me off for a little while uh, on this subject and on this uh, particular, uh, particular message. Uh, it will be a series because there's so much to cover uh, that if even if you were to do a study on it, you'll cover a lot of, of the things that I'll share with you uh, throughout this series. But uh, it's very deep, but it's very real. It's very hard, but it's very necessary. Amen. Uh, how many believe in the necessity of God's word being applied to our life? Not just the good things, but also the hard things. The things that are necessary for us as children of God so that we can be all that God would desire for us to be. Uh, in the midst of all that, I want you to just allow the Lord to speak to you through his message on the spirit of Absalom, the spirit of Absalom. Have you been watching the news? Many of us watch it day in and day out. Some of us are glued to it. If we're not careful, we will really begin to be frustrated in our own spirit over the things that we're seeing and what's happening to America today. It's sickening. It's sickening. Can I go ahead and tell you it's an Absalom spirit? It's a spirit of Absalom running rapid in America today. It's happening everywhere. It's affecting lives. People are having physical problems over the pressures and things that are happening today. And I'm not lost. I'm just trying to kind of get you in sync with where we're going. There are a lot of things that are happening today. It's simply because people don't know Jesus. 
and they're not walking with Jesus. And it's not only affecting our nation, it's affecting all across the world. But we must guard against it in the church. Amen. And so this message today I will share with you, I pray that will touch your heart and help us that we will be better, amen, than we were yesterday. That God will make us aware of things that we must guard against. Because I don't care who you are, where you sit, where you serve. The enemy would do anything he could in his power to try to get you to give in and cave in to the spirit of Absalom in your life. Second Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 10. Stand with me as we read God's word. When you have it, say amen. If you don't, say, wait up, preacher. I want to begin reading verse 1. David numbered the people that were there with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab and a third part under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and a third party under the hand of Atai, the Gittite. And the king said unto the people, I will go with, uh, go, surely go forth with you myself also. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth, for what if we flee away? They will not care for us, neither if half of us die, but will they care for us? But now thou art worth 10,000 of us. Therefore now it is better than thou succor us out of the city. And the king said unto them, What seemeth you best, I will do. And the king stood by the gate, and all the people came out by the hundreds and by the thousands. And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Hattai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. So the people went out of the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim. Where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David, there was a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. For the battle there was scattered all over the face of all the country, and the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule. And the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak and was taken up between the heaven and the earth. And that mule that was under him went away. A certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. Skip down to verse 14 and 15. Then said Joab, I may not, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom. While he was yet alive in the midst of the oak, the ten young men that bare Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Father, we ask you today right now that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, that you would speak to this body, to this church. Lord, not only here, but churches everywhere. People who will tune in uh, with a humble and, and submissive heart that would say unto you, Lord, show us your way. Show us your will. Guide us, guard us by your spirit. Keep our minds fixed on you. 
Lord, that we would be able to stay diligent and faithful in all that we do concerning the kingdom work of God individually and as a body. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Look around at somebody and just smile at them real big and say, you're in the right place today. Amen. How many believe that? If you believe you're in the right place, you should give God a praise and glory. I can't think of nowhere I'd rather be than in the house of God today. Amen. As we begin to look into this scripture, we find as we've read uh, the very end of a thing uh, that happened to Absalom because of all that he allowed himself to become. In the midst of all that, we're going to look at some attributes in the next couple, two, three, four weeks of some things that are very important to the health of a church. How many believe that unity is very important? If we believe it, we ought to be doing something about it. Can somebody say amen? Unity is not something that was just uh, suggested. It is very important attribute uh, among anybody, but especially the body of Christ. We know the importance of unity so much that we emphasize it, uh, and the Bible speaks and declares about its importance. But this morning, I want us to also recognize uh, that feelings can become things that cause division. Come on, somebody. Feelings can mess you up. Feelings can cause us to disconnect from that greater truth that God desires us to walk in. How many has ever had a feeling that didn't feel so good and next thing you know you begin to struggle with everything that you were doing and what was happening in your life and with people that were involved in your life? Feelings can cause division and problems and, and feelings can mess us up. But the Bible declares that unity is important so we got to get past our feelings and start walking by faith. Come on, somebody. As a people of God, individually and as a church, we must not be walking by feelings in our life on a day-to-day -day basis. We must be walking by faith, living by faith. Even when we don't feel so good about certain circumstances, we don't need to let those feelings keep us from walking and connecting by faith in the Spirit of God in unity so that we can be all as a child of God that he desires us to be. Amen. Let somebody tell the, the, the neighbor next to you, say, don't walk by your feelings. Walk by faith. Some days you're going to wake up and you're going to be struggling with how you feel. But God is looking for men and women of God who are walking by faith, not by the storm. They're walking by the very truth of God's word, knowing this, that if God is calling us to unity, then every feeling that would, that would try to create division within our life must be suppressed in prayer and in faith to the glory of God. If we've got some feelings that don't feel good, don't take it to your neighbor, take it to the Lord in prayer. It's an Absalom spirit. It's a spirit uh, that is uh, moved by feelings and moved uh, by the pain or the disappointment of it all. 
In Psalm chapter 133, verses 1 through 3, the Bible declares how important unity is. It says that it is so good that it's it's pleasant for, for brethren to dwell in. And it's like precious ointment upon the head. And it ran down the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments. And, and as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. How many want to be blessed? How many want to walk in blessing? How many want your church blessed? How many want the ministry blessed? How many want God's anointing, amen, just poured out upon us? Hallelujah to God. The unity of the faith will create an opportunity, a posture for us to be poured out upon, amen, and the beauty of God's anointing to accomplish great things for the body of Christ. Touch somebody around you and say, do it, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we've seen division in America now begin to rise to great heights and it's breaking our heart. We've seen that same division destroy the, the, the very fabric of this land. Kingdoms have fallen because of division and, and ununity. Homes have been destroyed. Friendships have failed. Many family circles can't get together again because they've been broken for so many years and, and they're moving by feelings and animosity and bitterness and they can't get together again again, all at the perils of division. Let me tell you something, division is not your friend. Division is not... Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm, going to preach here in a minute. Division is not something we should embrace. It is something that we should denounce. And if we're going to be successful over it, we must first denounce it within our own lives. it must first be denounced where it becomes an issue. It must first be denounced within us. If it is denounced within us, then our faith can embrace the unity of it all. All these have suffered at the perils of division. There have been great and mighty kingdoms that have fallen. There have been wonderful families, amen, that used to be loving and strong and, and pulled together and, and, and God was just blessing them. But then feelings came in, division came in, and now what used to be family reunions every year has turned into nothing. People are doing their own thing. They care less about their family this. Sons and daughters don't even respect their mothers anymore. Fathers are struggling with it. Am I preaching this morning? Husbands and wives are dealing with this uh, same, uh, same spirit in their homes, uh, the spirit of Absalom. Children are dealing with it. What's happening in the street is all because of divided hearts divided minds and no coming to the unity of faith. That same spirit has led to generations of dysfunction and hatred and bitterness and pride and rebellion and wrong spiritual choices that led to much disappointment. But churches have also struggled with it. We, we see it going on around us. We see it in families. We see it in our nation. We see it in, in, in different avenues of life. But see, because God's called me to pastor and, and he's laid this in my spirit, I just want to submit to you that churches struggle with it. 
Pastors have been pushed to, to the very edge where they simply doing all they knew how to do and just finally left. But you ain't got one here. Churches have split all in the name of what they called being right when it was simply more of disunity and not a level of maturity in God to come to a saving knowledge and come to a unity in the faith that would bring the body together. And I want to go ahead and tell you something. It's not my intent and it should not be anybody's intent to bust up what God's doing. It should be our intent to say, God, help us to do it better. Help us to draw closer together. Amen. Help us to get past our feelings. Come on, somebody, I just want to share this morning. Help us to get past our faults and our failures and pull together and say, God, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in your spirit. It's going to happen in your grace. It's not going to happen because of how I've been hurt or, 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 or oppressed under the circumstances of life. If you, if you don't like me, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to embrace you. I'm still going to treat you fairly. Come on, somebody. I'm not going to let my feelings cause me to let the spirit of Absalom overtake me and carry me to a place of destruction in my life. I'm not going to be the one who breaks the church up. I want to be the one who brings it together again. All over America, all over this country, we got to deal with spirits of Absalom, but we don't have to let the spirit of Absalom have his way. It starts with us. Churches have, preachers have been run off. Churches have split. Amen to God. Leaders have quit. All because of the spirit of Absalom. God laid this in my spirit not long after we got here, this message, because I believe it is important to the, to the narrative and to the direction that God is leading us. Amen? I don't know about you, but I don't want him to lead me to a dry cistern where nothing is. I want him to lead me back to Pentecost. Lead me back to the place where the spirit flows freely. Lead me back. Lead me back to the gifts of the Spirit operating again through hearts and lives that are surrendered to God and have said, I rebuke that foul Absalom spirit in my life. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Lead me to the place where God's Holy Spirit can flow freely again in the church, where conviction falls upon the hearts of people who are lost and undone without God in such a manner that it's drawing. Somebody ought to know that Absalom Absalom wants to tear it up, but the Holy Ghost wants to bring it together in, in our church and in our lives. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen by the Spirit of God. It's not something that, that we can make happen just because we show up. We need to understand the measure of the perils of division before we can understand the beauty of the grace of unity. Let me say that again. 
Well, let me say it this way. Ain't God good? Now, sometimes you don't know what you have until it's gone. And for us to understand sometimes how important and how, how grateful we are, sometimes we have to do without something to realize how blessed we are. Amen. And sometimes we have to realize that unity can only really truly be embraced when you understand the power and the pain of division. Salvation can't be embraced just because you don't want to go to hell. Can I say that again? Nobody wants to go to hell. They have their way, but that don't mean they want to give their heart to Jesus. There's a difference there. You can't just say the sinner's prayer just because you don't want to go to hell and think, well, God's going to save me. There must be something happening on the inside that says, I can't stand this person that I have become. I can't stand this sin-sick state that I'm in. My life is a total wreck Wrecked in sin. God, I'm sorry for godly sorrow worketh repentance. For what I've done, I'm sorry for the sin-sick person that I am. Lord, I'm in need of a Savior because I can't live this way anymore. You can't really understand the greatness of salvation until you understand the depravity of your own life and the sin in your own life. Come on, you can't just come to God because you don't want to go to heaven. You've got to understand there is nothing, amen, to God that can keep you. There is no way. There is no one that can do you like Jesus. There's nobody that can deliver you from this state. You don't want to live there anymore. You're tired of the attitude. You're tired of the sin. You're tired of the cussing. You're tired of the drinking. You're tired of the smoking. You're tired of the bitterness. You're tired of the... I'm lost and undone without God. I'm in need of a Savior. I need Jesus. He's the only one that can help me. When you reach that place in your life, then you begin to understand the, 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 the great uh, purpose of God and needing Christ in your life as Savior the same way with unity. You'll never embrace unity till you finally get your belly full of division. Amen. Well, preacher, you ain't talking about me. Well, pull up a seat and let the Lord encourage you because there's some folk that need to hear this all across this land. I've preached and pastored them. I've seen good pastors, good people, hurt by the spirit of Absalom. And we want to know why God ain't moving like he was. What happened to those days when we used to have those powerful services every Sunday? Every time we'd walk in the doors, 
Man, God's presence was permeating. You can't, you can't expect God's presence to be permeating on you when you're struggling with an Absalom spirit. When you have a divided heart. Preacher, you're being judgmental. I'm preaching the word. If it gets on your toes, get before the Lord. It's not my job to just sit back and preach you in prosperity. And it's my job to preach the word. Let God have his way. That's what I intend to do. I'm nobody, but he's everything. When I stand before him, I want him to say, I'm glad you listened to me and you did what I asked you to do. But I'm telling you that we're dealing across the globe and across many churches with a spirit that must first be recognized by the individual and dealt with in the heart of the person. Churches have struggled. Many lives have been destroyed. Lives have been prayed to Satan's objective. The momentum of church ministry has been halted by it. We can't get nowhere because nobody can get together. I'm going somewhere. The anointing has been lifted because it has grieved the Holy Spirit. Preacher, I'm mad with you. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. The anointing is lifted because it has grieved the spirit. All because of the Absalom spirit. Church, we need to understand something. God ain't going to bless no mess. Individually or as a church. And the Absalom spirit does not want us to come together and to be unified. And let me go ahead and tell you, unity means you got to sacrifice your feelings. Unity sometimes means you've got to sacrifice your opinion. Unity mean, <laughs> means you've got to get on with the team. Come on, somebody. Even if we may not agree with everything, but we've got to get under the umbrella of leadership and follow the leadership that God has put in place. Y'all believe God's sovereign today? Do you believe God can put whoever he wants to put where he wants to put them? Come on, somebody. God put David in the throne of Jerusalem. He was king of Israel. God put him there. God ordained it. Did he always do right? No, he didn't always do right. We know that David failed God. But God put him there for a purpose. And God used David in spite of who he was. How many is just big enough to believe in your faith in God that God's big enough to use your leaders in spite of what they've done in the past, in spite of where they've been, in spite of the mistakes they've made? How many knows today that my God is able to do what society does? Oh, goodness, help me. It's deep, but it's right. We're dealing with, with a man who God put somewhere 
God put your LCAC in place. She said, well, preacher, I voted for them. Did you pray about it and trust God that the right one would be where they are? Come on now. You prayed about your pastor, now you got some kind of country hick, whatever you want to call me. But don't you believe in the sovereignty of God? I do. I know God's the only reason I'm here. If we trust God's sovereignty, then we've got to come to a place where we get under the umbrella of that leadership. And David was placed there. And he had his son, who was a, a very wonderful person. He had a good spirit and a, and a good attitude. Looked good. Was popular with the people. Absalom had, had a lot of things going positively for him. He was going in the right direction. He was very important to David. David loved him. But we got to understand something about what David is dealing with and what Absalom has found to be the beginning of a course of a failed future. And that is simply this. Absalom would not fall under the umbrella of God's sovereign leadership. That heavy, but it's right. Absalom would not do right because his feelings got in the way. Well, bless God, I'm not going to go to church there anymore because so-and-so hurt my feelings. Preacher, you've preached this before. I'm going somewhere different with this. Y'all go with me. Well, preacher, I'm just not going to sing in the choir anymore because so-and-so hurt my feelings. Well, preacher, I'm not going to teach Sunday school anymore because so-and-so hurt my feelings. Leaders hurt my feelings. People hurt my feelings. Never mind the people that are going to suffer because you decided you was going to let your feelings get in the way. Never mind the children. Everybody say, well, where's our children? Where's our children? Where's our workers? Where's the fishers of men that are fishing for families and children? Where are they at? You didn't hire the preacher to bring them in. Sheep begat sheep. The pastor came to tend the sheep. Don't you get me wrong. I can win a soul too if God places them in my path. But the church suffers at the hands of feelings so often that everything shuts down and division takes place and takes over. And it's an absolute spirit. It's not about your feelings. You're going to get your feelings hurt every day. Sometimes I do. But you got to remember that God has called you to be a soldier in the army of God. And every general ain't going to do it like you want it done. Every leader ain't going to do like you want it done. But if you get out of sync with what God's doing, it creates division and stops the work that God has called us to. Get over those feelings. Don't react in feelings. 
Ain't nobody going to take the praise from these lips. Ain't no devil in hell going to run me off from where God sovereignly placed me. God put me in that church, and I'm not going to serve with a bold, cocky, arrogant attitude. But I am going to serve in faith and boldness in the faith and courage in the faith. Amen. And I, I intend, amen, and expect to see men and women of God who are not arrogant, but they rise up in faith and they know how not to let their feelings get in the way. And oh, dear God, I'd never be what I am today if I let everything that everybody said negatively get in my spirit and destroy me. There have been times I've cried at night but I'll get up in the morning and press on again. There have been times when I had to do, come on, feelings are real, but don't let those feelings hurt you and get in your way. Some things I want to cover this morning. I hope we'll, in the next few weeks, we'll reprove, rebuke, exhort individually as a church expressed across the board to every believer who will hear this message wherever they may be. We got people watching overseas that are longing and hungry for this word and God to move in their lives. Every believer in every church needs to be aware of the Absalom spirit. Everybody does. Even if it's not a problem for you right now, you need to be guarded against it. The spirit of Absalom engages against the work of God. Too many souls to be saved. There's too many young people that's getting left to the side. And let me go ahead and tell you, the church can't rescue them if mom and daddy don't assist. We need assistance from the home. Everybody wants to point their finger in the church, but I want to, I want to submit to you that things have happened in the home that have also put us where we're at today. Children who've heard mamas and daddies talking about negatively the church. Can I just be real? Kids who have heard things from other people, adults in the church that were negative and, and, and no. And you think they're going to want to come to know the Lord? They're going to be discouraged with church. Half of them today, many of them today, rise up and they're walking the streets under some kind of narrative of leadership because there's more unity in that kind of division than they've seen in the church. Help us. Help us to be conduit that the presence of God can be fully, fully embraced in our lives in such a way that we are engaged in unity. The spirit of Absalom wants to, to move against the work of God in these ways because bitterness of, with leadership, bitterness with leadership, number one, Talk about that for a few moments today. 
Absalom had, as I said before, was a very great man. He was a man who was David's son. David loved him. His third wife, Micah, was his mother. And he loved Absalom. He loved all of his children. And then one day, he became bitter. He became bitter because his sister Tamar had been raped by his half-brother Amnon. And King David was angry, but he did nothing about it. He was wrong. This was the beginning, though, of Absalom's bitterness with the king. It was not just his father. He was the king. David was wrong. The, the king and leader of Israel should have responded in bringing justice for Tamar. He was a king and he had the authority to do so. How many said, well, preacher, ah, you got the authority to do this and do that. I've been in churches where they just think the preacher is supposed to do things because he's the preacher. Well, it don't always work that way. There's things that God gives me the liberty and authority to do as a pastor and there's other things that are left up to other measures. But David was king. And he had the authority to do it. But he was also the father of Tamar and the father of, of Absalom. And this complicated things. Wouldn't it complicate? Because, I mean, my goodness, that's your children. How are you going to deal with that? Oh, you got people up there saying, oh, well, you know, you're the pastor. Look at your kid. They, they want the pastor to stay on their kids and make sure their kids do right. Amen. But say something to theirs. Let your young and be acting up in church and a deacon or, or a mature Christian adult go and ask them to be quiet. Oh, you would have thought they took a whip out. And, and, and Well, bless God, I'm not coming back here. Got an Absalom spirit. Absalom spirit. It had to be hard on David. I understand that. It didn't make it right. Yeah, he should have done something. I try to, to do what I need to do concerning my children. But the fact of the matter was that even though he may have been wrong and was wrong, even though this happened and David didn't do anything about it, Absalom did not have to drink the juice of bitterness. He let the devil in his life. Even those who God positions struggle sometimes to make the right decisions. Even ones that should be made sometimes don't get made. Then those who are affected are the ones that become angry. And that anger leads to bitterness. And bitterness promotes actions that are divisive and not unifying. I wish somebody would hear where we're going with this. Absalom became bitter with the leadership. And David may have dropped the ball, but he was still their father. He was still the king and he was still the leader of Israel whom God had ordained. Sometimes they may miss the mark, but they need your support. Amen. They, they, they need your support. Sometimes you, 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 you find them maybe not doing things exactly like you think they ought to, but God put them there and you ought to support them. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a greater work, listen to me what I'm saying. Church, there's a greater work taking place and the enemy knows it. It wasn't the fact that David was king. Listen to what I'm saying. It may have looked prestigious to some people. 
Oh, look, he's king of Israel. Man, he got it all together. Look at his chariots. Look at all his concubines and his wives. And they're walking around just looking, looking like a king. Man, he's just, he just so annoying, looks so good. That ain't what it was about. David wasn't vying for the position of king. God sought him out. He was happy being a shepherd boy. It was a greater work going on there. It wasn't the fact that David was king. It was what God was doing. It's not the fact that I'm your pastor or the LCAC's in position or there or that you're here, this one's leading worship. It's a bigger thing going on than that. Help me, God. Bishop Marley served as bishop for a while and, and God used him in that season for those years and then another man come along whom God is using. But can I go ahead and tell you, it's bigger than that. We have an IPHC conference. We've got IPHC churches in presence all over the world. But I want to tell you, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than our manual. It's bigger than our, our guidelines. It's bigger, amen, than all that we have put together to give us a guide and organizational structure. It's bigger than all that. And I want to go ahead and submit to you that as Absalom looked upon David, he let his feelings get in the way. Many have left organizations and have left churches because they did not see that there was a greater work taking place than their own feelings. It's bigger than your bitterness. It's bigger than your disappointment. It's bigger than your pain. It's bigger. Come on now. It's bigger than what so-and-so said to you. It's bigger. It's bigger than any sin that you've ever committed. There's a greater work going on. It's bigger than the sign outside the front of the church. It's bigger than the height of this roof. It's bigger. It's bigger. It's bigger than the praise team. It's bigger than the pastor. It's bigger than the leadership of this church. It's bigger. It's a greater work going on here. It's bigger than all that. It is orchestrated and it is it is moved by the Holy Spirit of God working through the hearts of imperfect people to lead us into a place where God has called us to go. Now, I don't know about you, but it's time for us, amen, to put our feelings under our feet and say, dear God, no more Absalom spirit. I call that spirit to death right here in my life. I'm not going to let it get in my church. I'm not going to be the one that begins to, to, to spread it through my church. I'm not going to let these things get me. I'm not going to be bitter with the pastor anymore. I want to go ahead and tell you, you may not like me, but I love you, and I didn't come here to fight against you. I came here to serve the Lord. Amen. And I'm not against anybody here. Nobody. But I am against the devil. I ain't got time for him. Daddy used to tell me, son, if you get a thorn in your flesh, you got to pull it out. Sometimes you can't get it out right then, so you have to put up with it for a little bit and you hope it'll work its own way out. Amen. You're praying it will. I'm not against anybody. I'm for unity. Everybody's different. 
That's fine. We all got personalities. But know how to control our feelings. Submit ourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Don't let the enemy overtake you and cause you to miss the bigger picture. The authority of God. I'm trying to hurry. I, got, I, I could preach for another two hours. The authority of God is to be honored through the ranks of the body. It's to be honored. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 3, the Bible said, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. God placed David there, as I said. God places your leaders there, even church leaders. God didn't put them there for you to resist. He put them there for you to assist. Let me say that again. God didn't put them there for you to resist. He put them there for you to assist. Romans 13 and 2 said, Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. You're saying, well, preacher, that was speaking of, of, of public office. That was speaking of, uh, of, of the things that were not of the church. That covers all leadership. I believe that covers all leadership. There's a price to pay for the spirit of Absalom's rebellion. It's not of God and it's not, it, it is of Satan and it's revealed through Absalom's life. The operative word here we find in Ephesians chapter 4 is simply this. He that descendeth is the same that also ascended up far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Hannah Grace, come on. And he that gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, he gave it. Not for you to resist, but for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Gave the saints to assist. The operative word was he gave, and he gave it for a reason, to fulfill his plan for the provisions of the body of Christ, and it is not division. It's not division. It's not being bitter with your leaders. Absalom was disappointed. He was mad. He was hurt. He was angry. He was so angry he went and had his half-brother killed because of what he had done. But that didn't make Absalom right. He was bitter. God wants a healthy, unified church. Amen? And if we just keep walking around just walking by feelings we're never going to address those issues and move on by them I said it not long ago and I feel like I need to say it again right this minute because the Holy Spirit is laying it on my heart there are people that have left here should have never had to leave here never I don't know why God has held me till now to talk about this to preach about this there's people should have never had to leave here did that mean that they were that they were perfect? No. Didn't mean there was a lot of things probably happened that shouldn't have happened. Feelings got in the way. But that Absalom spirit prevailed. 
it prevailed. Is it all right to just speak the truth? Well, preacher, that's your truth. No, that's the truth. That's the truth. The Absalom spirit prevailed. When you can go out in the street now and, 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 and people are still spewing pain because of feelings, and they're rounding those that, I ain't got time to get into this, but they pull those that kind of see their side of the story. They, they'll draw near to them. But they ain't coming near the truth. Because they, until they get ready for the truth, they're never going to deal with it. God didn't want no schism in the body. When I say that about this church, there's churches everywhere that have been through this stuff. Foolishness. Because of the Absalom spirit. Oh, but God forbid the pastor's preaching the truth. He just don't understand. God forbid the Sunday school teacher's telling it like it is. They just don't understand. Yeah, but, I, I know what you're saying, preacher, but I've got a right to feel this way. Do you want to see the bigger picture? Or do you want to let your feelings carry you down the path like he did Absalom? We're not through with Absalom. This is just the beginning. The entrance into the path of this spirit began with bitterness. And you got to squash it before you enter into the next levels. God help us. Stand with me, if you will, all over the church. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 23 through 24, those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant power. Our leaders, dear God, sometimes may, may not be on the level of your approval at all times, but they're your leaders. They need your support. They need your love. They need your support. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. That's how pre preachers, somebody say, so-and-so run them off. No, the church didn't run them off. They just quit supporting them. If you ain't got the support, I hope I ain't giving y'all no ideas. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, though. Bishop will tell you, if you don't have the support, you can't do what you do. He served as bishop. If he didn't have the support of those that were serving with him on the council, all these, he wouldn't. Am I right, Bishop? You've got to have the support. And I agree with this that a leader has to be one that can draw that support. He has to have the right spirit and the right attitude. And I'm telling you what, I preach hard, I know, out here, but I, I'm just easy going. I love people. You don't see me like this out there, do you? I'm just throwing myself in the arms of God because I have a passion for what can be, what should be. Somebody said, well, preacher, we got up to, to two or three hundred one time. We were running strong, running strong. and You know, it ain't about numbers as much as it's about the spirituality. But what if we could? What if we could see families saved? Not just a daddy or mama, but families saved. What if we could see children who are headed down the wrong path, who could be one of the next ones standing in the right line? 
kneeling at an altar of prayer. What if we could see every pew filled with men and women of God who weren't perfect, but they had the right spirit and they loved and they they sought the Lord and they wanted God to be Lord of their life and their family and they wanted to be a blessing for their church. What if Absalom in the end didn't succeed in destroying David? He took it for a little while, but David got it back. There have been many, many times churches have been through things they necessarily did not have to go through. But they bounced back. But everybody's afraid to say the truth because it's not politically correct. I'm going to go ahead and tell you we got to deal with truth. It may be ugly. It may be hard. It may be offensive. But we got to deal with it. And until we do, then we're going to keep walking individually in the same path we've been walking. God help us not to do that. The Bible says, and I'm coming to a close, 1 Corinthians 12, 25, there should be no schism in the body. No schism, no division. If we'll yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, He'll guard us from this spirit. If you've got bitterness unforgiveness, anger towards your leader, get that thing under the blood today. Don't wait till tomorrow. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you're wrong. It's okay to be angry and sin not, but if you've got bitterness and unforgiveness, you're wrong. You need to let it go. You need to forgive. That's not my words, that's God's words. God ain't going to forgive you unless you can learn to forgive them. you got to forgive. You know what forgiveness does? It does more than just free you and let you go on. Forgiveness has the power to make the relationship better. Amen? It does. I had a lady couldn't stand me one time. Believe that. My wife said, amen, I believe that. No, she liked us, but she didn't like the things that God was doing. And for many years, every time you turn around, she was coming against us coming against us, talking about the preacher. But one night, she had a bad toothache. And it was on a Saturday. Saturday, And guess what? There wasn't no dentist's office open. Me and my wife had just turned in for our midnight nap. It was probably about nine. I heard a knock on the door. I said, what in the world is this? At nine o'clock, and it was that sister. That sister who complained about everything. Complained about what we were doing, the changes we were making, but did not see the greater picture. She was knocking on that door and she said, you know, my tooth is hurting so bad. And there ain't a dentist she could hardly open her mouth. I said, sis, come on in the living room. She said, come on in the house. And we sat there and she said, I just need prayer. I need something. And we prayed. We prayed in that living room, sincerely. And probably an hour we spent in there. I wouldn't even let her go home. I said, just stay here, you know, till you. We'll pray and we'll, we'll see if you get to feeling better. It wasn't long after we prayed, she started feeling better. But God took that one moment. 
she let it go. I believe that was the breaking. I believe that was the moment she let it go. When she learned to forgive, it created a great relationship. I'm telling you something. You, you, you got to forgive. Not everybody that's, that's, that, that, that's hurt your feelings is doing wrong. Amen. You might think it's wrong, but it's not necessarily wrong. Not everything that happens negatively that sometimes impacts you is about you or me, but it's about the greater cause for the kingdom of God. How many want God to put us right smack dab in the middle of the nucleus of his will for our lives in this church? That means there are going to be times when I'm slobbering at the mouth and running the pews. And there's going to be times when just in a small voice of God, in a calm spirit, God's going to be, I believe God's speaking heavily to, to our lives. I want us to look at it in its entirety as we go forth in the next few weeks because I want us to know what to guard against so we will appreciate the power that unity brings if we'll pursue it. Amen. We love you today. I want to ask you this morning, how many loves your leaders that God has placed?